The news for the past month has been a blur of storms and other natural disasters here in the U.S. and across the globe. Alan mentioned natural evil a few weeks ago in a sermon about accounting for evil. I can't account for this evil. It disproportionately affects those populations least equipped to withstand it and highlights the socioeconomic differences between the victims and the well-equipped. I would like to point out, however, that it also prompts us to strengthen our connection to those people around us, and it makes visible the interdependent web of existence. We feel the stories of those directly affected. The resources we use to help don't suddenly spring into existence. They were already present. We're just employing them to strengthen our connection to those in need. This was my experience writing out Hurricane Katrina on the coast of Mississippi. Twelve years ago, I was attending training at Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi. I was a prior service student, meaning I was a bit older than the most of the students on the base, and had already been in the Air Force for several years. The hurricane season had been pretty disruptive leading into August, so the instructors and administrative staff were allowed to shelter off-site if they had the means to get back quickly. And the decision was made for students like us to shelter in place for the latest in the round, Hurricane Katrina. The storm knocked out the power to our shelter, but somebody had a little black and white battery-powered portable TV. They had it tuned to the local news station, off and on to conserve power. At one point in the night, the station crew had just left the cameras running in the newsroom and evacuated, broadcasting only an empty room and with one corner torn away to reveal the waves of the gulf in the background. By morning, the base had been pretty torn up in the storm, so it would be a while before anyone got in or out. Years earlier, I had been trained in shelter management at a previous base, so I volunteered to take some shifts with the local shelter management team, sitting at the desk trying to keep track of everyone. My job was to see people coming and going to take note. Trucks would go by with volunteer cleanup crews. Basically, anyone that came across hopped in and helped out. The first aircraft I saw overhead were the Coast Guard helicopters heading towards the water. A couple of days in, it's hard to tell now, a line of buses showed up at our shelter as I was sitting at the desk. I was the door guard for a powerless concrete building with mildew starting to grow on the tiled floor. A driver stepped out and asked if we had Pedialyte, power, or water. He said the buses were full of patients and they were trying to find a good shelter. The backup generator at the base hospital was in the basement, and it was flooded out. Apparently the only way they could get these people on the buses was to assure them that the shelter they would be relocating to would have power and medical supplies for their newborns. Learning we had none, they kept driving. Between shifts over the next few days, I also hopped on the trucks to help out with the cleanup. Driving through the base was everything you might expect it to look like. Anything facing the wind was shredded. Outside the gates, the damage had lots of different manifestations. We went to one house because an elderly couple had evacuated and left their cat behind in their unlocked house and hoped for the best. Other than a small hole in the roof where a tree branch had fallen through, it was basically untouched. The cat rode in the truck with us back to the base, hopefully to eventually reunite with its owners. It wouldn't be for another year that state emergency shelters would be required to accommodate pets and service animals. Local animal shelters that were still functioning were filled up instantly. 
Another house we went to had a water line just inches off the floor. The house didn't look bad other than the surreal distortion at our feet across the whole house. The resident was an Air Force spouse, wife of a captain who was way on temporary duty at the time. She stopped in the bedroom, opened up a large wooden chest, and dug out a small notebook from the very bottom. It was her husband's sketchbook that he had started while they were dating. And he had added pencil drawings to it when he was deployed and as their relationship grew. As she flipped through the warped pages, she sat down, and I could see empty page after empty page. On one trip, I went with one of my instructors to see how his apartment held up. It looked like a pile of toothpicks that spilled on the concrete. It was no longer recognizable as a structure. He shrugged and said, well, he didn't really have much in there anyway, so we just moved on. We all helped out however we could and whenever we saw the need. Some went beyond lending a hand and placed themselves directly into harm's way to help others. Staff Sergeant LaShondra Singleton stepped between a man with a gun and an elderly woman at a gas station. The woman was getting gas at one of the few places with any left off an interstate in Alabama. Sergeant Singleton was returning to Keesler after Ke Katrina had made landfall. She had sheltered in Alabama leading up to the storm. She talked the man out of whatever it was he was prepared to do and even gave him a spare can of gas that she had in her own vehicle. Then she got back in her car, drove back home to Biloxi to help with the cleanup. Base leadership relayed that to us during one of the status briefings, and the story was later released through public affairs. I googled Sergeant Singleton to see where she is now. She survived an IED blast while serving in Iraq several years ago. Speaking to a room full of young airmen, Sergeant Singleton is reported as saying, it's all about perspective. Either choosing to let things affect you negatively or choosing to make it a challenge to be greater. She's quoted as saying, I don't have bad days, I have challenges. I thank God, not just for the good days, but for the challenging ones as well. I think it's safe to assume this is the same Sergeant Lachandra Singleton. And I like to think that she saw that day at the gas station as just another challenge for her to step up to when she chose to act on the connection that she had with those two people. Back in Biloxi, about a week after we took shelter, I was instructed to excuse me, evacuate on a C-130 to Little Rock, then to connect back to my permanent duty station in Texas. A chaplain was in charge of the waiting area for the evacuees, uh, that would be leaving on our flight. It was a little room with some couches, magazines, and a table full of bottled water. Power was now restored on the base. I couldn't just stare at the wall or the TV for the next few hours, so I asked the chaplain if he needed any help around the place. He handed me a broom and placed me in charge of terraforming. I swept the mud back outside <laughs> as people trapped it in. A cheerful woman in civilian clothes stopped me to chat for a bit, and the thing that she said that sticks out with me was, I see you guys working all the time, but I never see you sweat. I didn't know how to respond to that. Uh, the chaplain was right there, and he and I exchanged a look. It was September 4th. That date, I'm sure of, because I left the day that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld arrived at Keesler. During his tour, he made it to our little waiting room and made the rounds. As he shook my hand, he said, what's that on your shoulder there? It's my Donald Rumsfeld impression. 
I looked, expecting to see mud. It turned out that he was just asking my rank. But compared to the Secretary of Defense, that was pretty much the same thing. <laughs> a short, bumpy ride on a nylon web seat later, and I was in Little Rock, Arcan Little Rock Air Force Base in Arkansas. That base was closed the next day for Labor Day, so I was left to my own devices to wait a full day before my flight back to Texas. Now there was nothing to do but wait and nowhere to go but home. Katrina was a giant. It left a wide path of destruction all along the coast. My actions in Biloxi didn't have any impact whatsoever on those sheltered in the Astrodome in Houston. It didn't bring back the homes or livelihoods swept away in New Orleans. It didn't even have an appreciable impact if you look at Biloxi. But there was a difference made, and I didn't make it alone. The people who were in need received some comfort when I was able to take advantage of the trucks and the resources to join others and lend a hand. With enough of us working in our own small ways, we were able to keep the end results from being even worse. With a disaster of that scale, we could see the people working to help, and they were all over the place. We all wanted to just make things right, but that's not an attainable goal. That's too broad. One way to approach it is to focus on your little thread of the web. Pick your cause. Once we pick a cause, we can find people who are also passionate about that cause. Once we find the people, we learn what they need to be successful. Once we know what is needed, we can help. We can take a global issue, trace it back down to the people around us, and work from there. We use the web of people and resources to help. We don't have to be in charge of the whole thing to make a difference. Having an army at your command is great, but everyone on down to the broom pusher is needed for it to function. People connect with one another to help. In the days and weeks following Hurricane Harvey and Irma were no different. Neighbors came to each other's aid. The Cajun Navy, a group of people whose connections were solidified in the wake of Katrina, and other local boaters self-deployed, bringing trucks and boaters and boats to rescue survivors. The American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association worked to help educators and students affected. The Montrose Center, dedicated to providing support to the LGBTQ community, reopened its doors and began connecting people to resources. Even the Texas Renaissance Festival is donating all the profits this year to flood victims. I looked around to see which religious organizations were mobilizing to help. By my reckoning, it's all of them. LDS Charities, the United Church of Christ, Adventist Community Services, Lutheran Disaster Response, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, the Buddhist organization Tzu Chi, Scientology Volunteer Ministers, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association, Catholic Charities, the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee in UUA, and on and on and on. Countless churches, temples, and mosques open their doors to displaced survivors. There have been benefit concerts, employee donation matching programs, fund drives, housing and transportation assistance programs, the list goes on. These people, these organizations, were here before the storms. Only now we see them and the effect that they have on the people around them. As we work towards our distinct but still connected goals, fulfilling what needs we can, we will also see the small victories. We will take part in moments that give us hope, and even when the challenges we face are still looming ahead of us. Back at Keesler during the cleanup after Katrina, 
In the face of destruction and loss, there were some really heartwarming moments. Two airmen who were stationed there had a wedding scheduled that week. They happened to both be on the local shelter management team, so they decided to just hold the ceremony anyway and have some of the team be in the wedding party. The bride wore a yellow sundress. The groom, a camouflage uniform with a caution tape bow tie. The bridesmaids and groomsmen wore reflective vests and reflective belts, respectively. And the chaplain officiated, wearing a reflective belt draped over his shoulders. The rest of us wore whatever we had sheltered with. As the chaplain spoke of love rising from the chaos, we all stood, gathered in a little grassy clearing, surrounded by fallen trees and powerless buildings. The sound of distant chainsaws and bulldozers in the air, a hot, humid, but lazy breeze blowing, a far cry from the howls of just a few nights ago. And we could see each other. And then we got back to work. <laughs>